This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 723, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, October the 30th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 723. It's the Comic Reviews episode for releases from the week of Wednesday, October the 30th. I'm recording this on November the 2nd, so I've only had a chance to read a handful of books, but it's already more than the last two reviews episodes, so how about that? Uh, taking a look at the books that came out, some of the, uh, to give a quick overview that the books that came out, they include Batman and the Outsiders Annual, Batman Annual, uh, Black Panther, Conan the Barbarian, which finally reached issue, what, 10? I think it's, is it the end of the current storyline, or maybe not? I'm trying to remember. I uh, know, I, I guess it's probably not. Uh, Contagion, Deceased, Death's Head, Doctor Strange Annual, Fantastic Four, Grand Design. Uh, so it's not by Ed Pisker, but it was kind of coming up uh, in the same type of idea as X-Men Grand Design by Ed, by Ed Pisker. We got Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man 13, Harley number 2, and new issue Invisible Woman, Ironheart, uh, Marvel Zombies Resurrection, Red, Red Goblin, Red Death, Runaways, Savage Avengers Annual, Silver Surfer Black, Star Wars Doctor Afro Annual, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Death of Superman, The Last God, and Wonder Woman Annual. That is everything that came out that I did not get a chance to read from the big two. So what did I get a read, chance to read today, or this week? So first up, we have Dead Man Logan. This is 12 of 12, which again, always felt weird that it, was tw- it wasn't really a 12-issue maxi-series. It was more like two six-issue miniseries, but whatever. It's, uh, it's all over. Uh, this version of Wolverine has finally been brought, uh, you know, put out the pasture. It's written by Ed Brisson with artwork by Mike Henderson and Nolan Woodard on color art with virtual calligraphy's Corey Pettit on letters. Uh, I, act- I really dug this. I thought it was a very cool ending and interesting um, you have this big kind of climactic battle. Uh, you get to kind of have Wolverine against Sabretooth kind of the last time. Uh, you get to see what Danny Cage can really do at, with the power of Thor. Uh, she does something <laughs> pretty gross to Mr. Sinister at the end with Molnir. Um, but really what this is about, it, you know, it brings it all to a close pretty quickly in terms of the, the big battle sequences. And it just, it, it, it brings Logan home. Um, and he gets to, you know, the die where he wants to die with his family and being able to, you know, come back to them and uh you know hopefully he can be forgiven and and then he uh that's it everything's over now there's it's there's so much potential left in this world uh now that danny cage is the power of thor and you know they're she's with um bruce anyways and bruce uh, banner jr but uh it's really interesting and i thought it was actually quite heartfelt um the pages leading up to you know logan finally passing away uh, again, they felt like they emotion. They did resonate emotionally. It did felt earned. It felt like you know you saw so much of this man's life um, dealing with the guilt, dealing with his family being gone. And I mean, a big part of Old Man Logan originally, obviously, was you know the the haunted nature of of Logan um, because of what happened to the X Men. And yet, ever since the event, the that main series. Uh, every time we've seen Old Man Logan, it, as much of that is obviously a bedrock of the character, it's also his ha- he's haunted by his family that he lost, that he finally was happy, and he lost it all, and you know the family was taken from him, and so here he finally gets to die with a sense of dignity and with his family around him, and uh, yeah, it, it really it really worked for me. I thought again it was a it was a it was a nice way to end it, and uh, I, I would give it an eight out of ten. Um, I re- really enjoyed it. Uh, next up, we have uh, another of the Dawn of X, sorry, Dawn of X uh, launches. Uh, this particular one is Excalibur, which feels very different. Like Marauders, obviously, was an interesting book. I liked it, but it didn't. It, it felt very grounded in the, in the new era, 
But this one, as much as it is, it feels even more kind of weird and alien, but cool because we're involving other world and like I don't know, I never even remember what the kind of status quo is for that kind of stuff because it feels like it always shifts in some way. But this is written by Tini Howard, artwork by Marcus Toe. Really enjoyed the art there. Erica Arciniega is color artist. Virtual Click of Corey Pettit is on letters, and Tom Muller continues on design with Mahmoud Azrar and Matthew Wilson on on uh, the cover art. Um, and I kind of forgot that Bet- Betsy or uh, uh, Psylocke has been through so much in terms of what had happened what, like last year, I guess, when Jim Zub kind of brought back the classic rendition of the character. So it's kind of interesting to see her here uh, talking with, you know, Braddock, um, her brother. Um, I like the idea of that other world kind of there's a there's a gate to, to Krakoa in other world, but there's a, a block to it. I thought those are an interesting way to go. Um, I, I think there's so much potential in the concepts here. The fact that, you know, Jamie Braddock is back. What does that even mean? Because, you know, he's Mad Jim Jaspers. Um, the fact that Apocalypse is going by some sort of Kirk Cohen version of his name, but it's really cool to kind of see him back. Um, we see Morgan Le Fay. We have... I like the cast here because, again, you have Apocalypse. You have Psylocke, uh, who's becoming the new Captain Britain. You have Rogue, Jubilee, um, uh, Gambit. Like, And, uh, again, Apocalypse is a really cool kind of choice here um really liked where this left off really excited to see what it means um this just felt so so rich with promise uh i felt like you know it just kind of jumped in and it grabbed you and had a lot going on but um this one i i I really liked marauders i liked how that kind of landed but this one feels like a new it almost has more promise um because it feels so different um you know and but also not. Again, Excalibur's always kind of been that weird X-book that doesn't really function within the same rules as the regular typical X-books seem to. And this seems like that's still going to be the case going forward based on how this issue presents itself. Um, again, I really liked the art. I really liked the, the story and the, the different characters and how they interact with each other. And I'm excited to see where this kind of goes. Um, having Apocalypse kind of on the team and having him on Kokoro at all is obviously so different. I love how he kind of communes with the island. It, it's a different version of Apocalypse, but it doesn't feel that foreign because of how Hickman kind of built in this early mythology with him and Krakoa. Um, really fascinating. It's funny, I, I was reading X-Men Grand Design to my son the other day. I was in the, the second of the three um, Marvel Treasury Edition, kind of the oversized, not really hardcover, but like softcover, but like harder than a usual softcover, if that makes any sense. And it's like oversized and kind of has cool look to the paper, just like the singles did. And we were going through it, and uh, there's a whole segment on Kokoa, and I just was like, man, Kokoa is very different now, but I'm like, I'm not going to ruin the kid, <laughs> ruin this kid, and be like, well, that was back then, but nowadays, you know, Kokoa was where they had their school, and then Kokoa was like in, li- or yeah, there was the school, and now Kokoa is like this island and it's like a sanctuary and I was like I cannot blow my kid's mind with anything from Jonathan Hickman's mind that's just not fair um, but no I, I really dug this I thought it was a really solid start I'm going to give it an eight and a half like I thought this was pretty good uh, so that was a great beginning but in terms of endings we have Superior Spider-Man number 12 by Christos Gage and Mike Hawthorne with uh, Wade Von Grabadger on inks with Jordi Belair on colors and Virtual Calligraphy's Clayton Cowles on letters um, this was kind of a hard one to read because like it was interesting and and very cool to kind of see Doc Ock going up against you know a Norman Osborn Spider Man, which is again such a cool melding of different ideas, um, and having so many of Doc Ock's like tentacle rigs show up and how he's controlling them all and like uses it to systematically like break and snap all these bones into uh, Osborn's body. Like it's brutal. It's calculating. It's 
deliciously kind of evil or at least very malicious. And it's just, you know, it's, it's weird to see it because obviously what, what we've been used to with Superior Spider-Man, and it's kind of sad because, like, I like this version of the character. I didn't, when, when the last issue came about, I was curious what there, if there was going to be a way out. And with this issue, it becomes clear that there isn't. And this book's over. Uh, it's done. Uh, it's one less thing to have in my pull list. But uh, kind of sad to see it go because I liked the the concept and idea. And you know, I don't know if I need Doc Ock as a villain per se. When you know, you put through him through so much development that this kind of feels like going backwards in some ways. But I'm sure, like when we eventually see him, it'll be interesting. What I found interesting about it too is it kind of reminded me of when Doc Ock was brought back from the dead. Um, when he was, um, uh, when Tondafaka brought him back in there, like what, 424, 425, 426, around that area. Uh, so he came back after being killed by Kane. And so, but I always appreciated about that retcon, because it wasn't really a retcon at all. Um, they brought him back, but they legitimately used a death cult, uh, the true believers, an offshoot of the hand, to bring him back to the dead, so, uh, sorry, from the dead, uh, to the land of the living. Um, it didn't invalidate the death. It, in fact, validated it that he did die, and they had to expend all these energies to bring him back. And uh, I think, was it Stunner who was basically like, basically what was used uh, to do it anyways you know it always felt so earned and um but when he did that like he, when he died he knew who peter parker was he knew who was spider-man and when he came back he didn't know that anymore and that kind of been taken from him and a lot of like his memories were you know weren't maybe fully intact uh in here it's the same type of idea he doesn't really remember because he doesn't remember being kind of cursed with spider-man's uh worldview and it's not part of him anymore that he doesn't really know who spider-man is anymore and i don't know if that and like it allows them to use doc ock in a way where you don't have that baggage but at the same time like it feels like uh, it's not additive to continuity it's taking something away to restore something to a certain factory default and I don't know if I needed that. Like, I, I guess from a writer's perspective, like you know, having to deal with Otto knowing who Peter Parker is and not actively trying to destroy him or trying to figure out a way around it is maybe more troublesome. Whereas at least this way, you have a, a way to be like, well, he doesn't know who he is anymore. So you know, why would he be trying to you know ruin anything for Peter Parker? It's an, it, an interesting tactic. It definitely kind of resets the character, which I guess is maybe the point. Um, I'm just as someone who enjoyed this deviation and in, was enjoying this book. I'm a little sad about it. It kind of makes the whole series kind of feel inconsequential because it's kind of been wiped away. I mean, we get the sense here, obviously, that he doesn't fully not remember everything, and it's like it's still part of him, and there's still emotional components there. But the next writer's probably not going to care. Like, even though Gage does a good job, kind of building in that, like that stuff still mattered, and it still makes a difference to who this new version of Doc Ock truly is. I guarantee you, well, I don't guarantee you, but I'm pretty sure the next writer probably won't care. Uh, but just because there's usually not that much care really kept to continuity. They're going to be like, well, he's kind of back to normal, right? So I can use Doc Ock as Doc Ock. And they may not be going back and reading it themselves and be like, oh, well, you know, there's still like some gray areas here. Maybe we can do stuff. I don't believe we're going to see that. And it's really unfortunate. Anyways, that uh, is this issue. I'm going to give it an eight and a half. I thought it was a solid ending. Um, I was definitely intrigued and kind of wondering all the way through, like, is there is there going to be a way out of this? And there kind of wasn't. And that, that's it. And that's okay. Uh, taking a look at the books that come out next week on the week of November the 6th. Uh, some of the highlights include new issues of Batman, Batman Universe. There's the Crisis and in Infinite Earths hardcover box set, $500 US. Woo! That is one hell of a, uh, one hell of a combo. Like, combo. Uh, package. 
We got Flash, 80 Years of the Fastest Man Alive hardcover. We got uh, Green Lantern Black Stars, number 103. Uh, got new issues of Harley Quinn. It's up to issue 67. Holy crap. That's kind of crazy. Uh, the Infected King Shazam, number one. Inferior 5, number 3 of 12. We got new issue of Justice League. Legion of Superheroes has its first issue, finally. I say finally, like... You know, it, it's it's launching. It just feels like it's been touted, and we know we knew it was coming, and now it's finally here. We've got Lois Lane, five of twelve. We've got the Luther trade paperback. You got Nightwing, Burnback trade paperback. Uh, you got the Superman in Action Comics hardcover volume two, Leviathan Rising, as well as the uh, first volume uh, trade paperback. Sorry, the first one, volume two is a hardcover, and then volume one is available now in trade. I uh, got Superman Up in the Sky number five, and the Superman Year One hardcover. I didn't even realize it was over. Uh, from IDW, there's du- DuckTales, Silence, and Science, number three of three, um, as well as Transformers, number 14, as well as some event- Marvel Action books. There's Marvel Action Avengers, number eight, Marvel Action Black Panther, number five, and Marvel Action Captain Marvel, three of three. Um, at um, Marvel Comics, we have Absolute Carnage Weapon Plus, number one, Amazing Spider-Man, 33, Black Hat, number six, uh, there's issues of Daredevil, and there's a Deadpool by Joe Kelly Complete Collection, volume one. Which is kind of interesting that the way that they did the Deadpool classic was always kind of a weird way because it, its last issue of the volume one was the first issue of the Joe Kelly book. So if you just wanted the Joe Kelly stuff, you could never really have that without having both of those books. And now you can just start right from Joe Kelly Complete Collection. It's kind of interesting um, to those who love Complete Collections and, and uh, trade paperbacks, etc. Uh, we've got Fantastic Four 16, Doctor Doom number two. Um, we've got the Iron Man Extremis storyline now available in a Marvel Select hardcover. I mean, that's been published a million times. There's the launch of New Mutants as part of Dawn of X. Uh, we've got the official handbook of the Marvel Universe Omnibus hardcover, collecting the original version uh, from the early 80s. we got the Savage Sword of Conan original Marvel Years Omnibus Volume 2. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Spider-Man and Venom Double Trouble. I'm not sure what that is. I'd have to double-check. Star Wars Doctor Aphra number 38. We've got uh, Venom by Donny Cates hardcover. we got Web of Black Widow number 3 of 5. We've got the launch of X-Force as part of Dawn of X. And we've got Yondu number 1 of 5. I think of the two... Uh, of the Dawn of X books that are coming out next week. I think I'm most interested in X-Force. Um, I'm wondering, and I haven't actually looked into this at all, so I'm just talking out my ass here, but I'm curious if the second issues of each title is still going to be $5 or if it's going to go back down to 4 since all the first issues of everything so far in Dawn of X has been 5 although they do feel a little bit longer and uh, there's definitely a lot of content, and I'm not really complaining. I'm just curious if uh, successive issues are going to continue to be at the $5 price point if they'll go back down to $4. And that is our episode for today. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com like the show on fa- Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes subscribe to us on iTunes and also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, thanks again for listening. This has uh, been almost a 15 minute episode. That hasn't happened uh, in the last couple of reviews episodes. They've been a lot shorter so uh, thanks for uh, listening. This is We only talked about three books but there were some good ones. Uh, again, some big beginnings and endings. So thanks for listening to this episode and we'll catch you next time. Bye bye.